0: Titus chapter 3, verses 3 through 8 together. For we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. But when the goodness and loving kindness of our God, our Savior, appeared, he saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. This saying is trustworthy. I want you to insist on these things so that those who have believed in God may be careful to devote themselves to good works. These things are excellent and profitable for people. Amen. We're just gonna jump right into
1: it. Um, It's sermon series, the greatest sermon ever. That one's hard for me to say. But the only reason that this would be a great sermon is because it has a great text. It has a great truth that I get to share with you. And we get to walk through it and see who God is and what he's done. Paul is writing this letter to Titus, who is an elder. He might be a church planter, and he's in Crete, and and Paul is writing to him, and he's reminding him of of why he's doing what he's doing. Maybe today that speaks to you. Maybe you just came because you know you're supposed to be here. (laughs) This is just what you're supposed to do. And so if if Titus, who's a leader in the church, needs this reminding of why he's doing what he's doing, we need it too. And so this morning we're going to look and we're going to see the the letter. He he starts with a greeting, and then he gives uh, qualifications for the elders of the church, and then he gives an exhortation to teach right doctrine, and then he gets to this passage where we're at, where he reminds Titus for the second time what the gospel is and what it produces. And so we're gonna see that this morning. I pray that this is a passage that we would make ours. If you're into scripture memorization, this is a great one. Because this, this is what you need on a daily basis. You need to remember as your, as your flesh rises up, that that's the old you. That's the, that's the verse three you. But you have a better you that God has done. The work that he's done is four through eight. Like that's, where we need to rest. That's the work that we need to walk in today. And so if you're into memorizing scripture, I would just commend this to you, take this, make it yours, and walk in it. You see, verse 3 starts with the state of mankind before God. Verse 3 says, for we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, Slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. Sometimes we read that and we're like, I don't know if I would use that strong of language about me. You might not, but some people you know might. <laughs> That's the hard part, is, is we're, we're self-delusional, right? We don't look at our lives all the time. And what's true but there's moments that rise up where we're like, actually, yeah, that's true about me. I do react in ways that are, that are wrong, that are selfish, that are seeking my own glory and my own comfort. It actually looks like hate sometimes for those around me. And so that's hard to, hard to sit in and hard to be like, yeah, that's me. the good news is that when we do look at that and we do see that, we recognize the grace that God has given us because we were that, and he's made us into something new. He's given us himself. This descriptive list in verse three, I like to read sermons and hear sermons, so I'm constantly getting fed, but Spurgeon talks about it, and he says that there's kind of three different ways that that you could look at this, you could look at it as sins of thought and sins of heart and sins of deed, and all of it kind of describes us as a whole before God comes. We are sinners, desperately in need of a Savior. This is who we are in our sin. We say, on my own I can live, but we can't. Thomas Merton says this, but the man who is not afraid to admit everything that he sees to be wrong with himself and yet recognizes that he may be the object of God's love precisely because of his shortcomings, can begin to be sincere. His sincerity is based on confidence, not in his own illusions about himself, but in the endless, unfailing mercy of God. This confession of who we are before God in our flesh and in our sin actually points us to the mercy of God and what he's done for us. We preached last week in the Cape on 1 John 1 that talks about confessing our sins to one another and it creates a fellowship where we can actually see what God is doing and who He is. But we have to be honest about our our pre-God state. We're broken. We're foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another, and then we get to verse four. But there's a couple "buts" in the Bible that are just amazing. When you think about Ephesians 2, it's, a, it's an amazing, because that, that is always a transition from who we are to who God is. And that's what makes it beautiful. That's what makes it something that, that brings us to a place of awe and worship. Verse four talks about who God is. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared. Goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared. God is good. If you grew up in church like I did, I would say God is good and you would say all the time. Yeah, absolutely. But that sort of became a mantra like, I didn't really think about it. I just knew, hey, if you say that, I say this. But the reality is that we didn't make that up. That's not a motto we came up with. God is good. He said He's good. Psalm 145, 9, The Lord is good to all, and His mercy is over all that He has made. And He's not just good. He is abundantly good. He's better than you can imagine. Psalm thirty one nineteen. Oh, how abundant is your goodness, which you have stored up for those who fear you and worked for those who take refuge in you in the sight of the children of mankind. God is good. Also, God is loving. God is loving. Now listen, we take love and and we try to make God love, our, our idea of what love is, but God has defined love. John 3.16 is something we all know, but this is what love is. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. This loving God has given himself for you and I while we were in our sin. While we were verse 3, he came and did what only he can do to save you and I. He is love what we have in God is not a fading love, but an enduring love. Psalm 136.3, Give thanks to the Lord of lords for his steadfast love endures forever. So God is good. God is love. God is kind. It's a kindness like you and I don't experience every day when we just think about someone who is kind. This is the God of the universe who is kind. And he has defined himself in that way. Psalm 145, 17, listen, if you wanna know who God is, go to the Psalms and, and hear about his traits and his attributes and then worship him for those things. Psalm 145, 17 says this, the Lord is righteous in all his ways and kind in all his works. The Lord is good, the Lord is loving, the Lord is kind. John Piper says this, God loves to lavish kindness on us. The bigger your conception of God, the more amazing this is. God is the creator of the universe. He holds the galaxies in being. He governs everything that happens in the world, down to the fall of a bird and the change in your hair color. He is infinitely strong and wise and holy and just. And Paul says he is kind. And because of this kindness, we were born again. Let your very existence as a Christian tell you every hour of every day, God is kind to you. I think as we grow in Christ, this reality becomes greater and greater. And I'm not talking about a circumstantial kindness. I'm not saying that because you you had a good cup of coffee, God was kind to you. No, he is in that simple act. He's so good to you. But I'm I'm talking about as we grow in Christ and, and understand that even in suffering, God is kind to me. Even in sickness, even in brokenness, even in loss, God is kind to me. And when we can say that and people see, man, I'm looking at your life. It doesn't look like this God that you, you think is all-powerful has been kind to you. And we get to point them to, no, but the goodness and loving kindness of God, my Savior, appeared. And he showed up and he saved me not because of works that I did, but because of his mercy. And you get to share that with your neighbor and they're like, there's something going on there because nothing else points to that. Nothing else in that guy's life or that girl's life would make them say that except truth. A truth that they've experienced. We see this God is merciful. This is the way that God revealed himself to Moses. Like This isn't the mercy of God in the New Testament. God has always been merciful. Exodus 34, 6 and 7 say, The Lord passed before him, Moses, And proclaim the Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, but who will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. Sometimes we think that, man, I just want to read... Read the New Testament, you get these, these kind of passages, like Titus 3, 3 through 8. And you're like, man, I could just sit there forever. But what we have is we have all of Scripture that is telling the same story about this great God who is merciful and kind and loving. And so we should read it all. How great was it to go through the minor prophets and realize that they're saying the same thing about who God is that Paul says. Like, that was sweet, wasn't it? It was so sweet for me. And you're like, wow. But they say it in some different ways. Right? And it was so good. Man, God's so kind to us. We have his word to know who he is. So why has God saved us? Verse 5. He saved us not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit. That's both how and why. Why? Because he's merciful. Why? Not because of our works. Listen, there's a subtle thing that is inside of every one of us that we want to bring something to the table to this transaction with God. God, if I, if, if I would just be, be worthy of your love and your affection. And, and so we argue with this. We, we struggle with this. Maybe some of you say, well, I wasn't worth anything, and, and, but, but now I'm living life to make me worth something. You're invited to that, but that is not the reason why you have been saved. You have not been saved because of your works. You've been saved because of his mercy. The a subtle thing that we just we struggle with. We want to bring something to the table. Luther said, The sin underneath all our sins is to trust the lie of the serpent, that we cannot trust the love and grace of Christ and must take matters into our own hands. There's this very, very small thing. We just want to bring something to the table. But when we realize that we bring nothing to the table, and yet God in his loving kindness has saved us because of his mercy, we understand what mercy is. One of the ways that we talk about it here at Cross Point Coast is, is this greater understanding of God's holiness and this greater understanding of like the depth of my sin leads to this greater understanding of the cross, the magnitude of the cross, and what Jesus has done to save sinners like you and I. Our good, not, good works do not save us, but they are evidence. They're evidence of the salvation that's taken place in us. So if you've been saved by grace, God's gonna produce good works in you. That's exciting, but we can't look at those good works and say that that's what saved us. It was the mercy of God, the kindness of God, that he would take sinners like you and I and redeem us. How has he done that? How has he done that? In verse five, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior. All of it points to God. It it points to a, a threefold triune God That this God, who is our Savior, that's recognized in His goodness and His loving kindness, God the Father sent His Son, Jesus, who did the work of atonement on behalf of you and I, and then He's working that out in our lives by His Spirit. That's amazing. The depth of the theology just in this verse. Like we could, there's books, tomes written about this. Go read them because they're really, really good. But we, we could memorize this verse and we could have just so much to be thankful for that God, God the Father would send God the Son and work it out through God the Spirit in our lives. What has the Son done? He has saved us. He has taken us from death to life. We were verse 3. And Jesus has come, and he has purchased us by his blood. Not because of what we've done. Lewis says, the Christian does not think God will love us because we're good, but that God will make us good because he loves us. See, we've got to gotta get this in the right order. God loves us and sent his son to die for us and then he's creating us as a people. Look what God has done. We've already sung it. We probably need to go back and sing it again later. But the reality of what God has done by the work of his son in a people like you and me is beautiful. And so we should rejoice in what he's doing. We rejoice in the good news of the gospel that Jesus came, that he died for you and for me, that he purchased us, Paid a death that you and I owe because we are, verse 3. But we couldn't do it ourselves, and so God became man, fully God and fully man in the person of Jesus. And at the cross, He paid for your sin. And in the resurrection, He he defeated sin and death, moved you, if you are in Christ, from death to life, and now we get to live in that today. That's super exciting. That should get us up in the morning, before our alarm clock, before our cup of coffee. We should be excited about what Jesus has done and how he has purchased us and that today we have good works to walk in. We are saved to good works. Ephesians 2.10 says, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. You see, and this is is not just, you gotta jump to Ephesians to see this. This All of Titus is talking about this. In Titus 2, 11 through 14, it says, for the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people. That's separate from what we're doing. This is God's work. God has come, grace has appeared, bringing salvation to all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself, a people for his own possession, who are zealous for good works. Titus 3.1, remind them to be submissive to rulers and authorities and be obedient to be ready for every good work. And then we see at the end of our passage here, Titus 3.8, the saying is trustworthy and I want you to insist on these things so that those who have believed in God may be careful to devote themselves to good works. These things are excellent and profitable for people. We are saved for a purpose. If you find yourself floundering, if you find yourself without purpose and without meaning, go to God's word and see what he has said. God has created you. He has saved you for a purpose. He has saved you for good works. Not your works, his works being worked out in your life. And we get to participate in that that a holy and righteous God would invite sinners like you and I to be part of the work that he's doing in the world just astounds me, and I'm not alone. The angels are like, what in the world? That's crazy. You're using them. You're refining them. You're washing them by your spirit. You're changing their hearts, regenerating their hearts, giving them life. But he's doing that in you and I today. He's doing it by his mercy. This is the good news. We receive mercy because God laid on Jesus the punishment that's due to us as sinners. If we're in Christ, we've died with him and we've been raised with him. We've been raised from death to life. I think I know that in, in, in my own theology, in my own understanding, in my own practice. I get to the cross and, and sometimes I don't get to the resurrection. Like I know that God's paid for me, but what has he done in the resurrection? He's given me life. So now I get to walk in these good things. I know I'm forgiven, but am I walking in the good things that he's purchased for me? Because that's the newness of life. That's the resurrection power. That moves me from, life, from death to life. And so I'm telling you that if you've been saved today, you are saved for a purpose you're saved for a reason, to do the good works that God has purchased for you. If you have time, read Ephesians 2 this week in parallel with Titus 3. Look at the the clarity of the gospel, the clarity of the work of Jesus and what he's done for you, that he has purchased you by his blood, that we were dead in our trespasses and he made us alive in Christ, that it's only by grace that we've been saved. Verse seven of Ephesians two says this, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. As he continues to change us and produce us, it's the kindness of God that would do that. These riches of his grace being poured out in our lives. God saved us. He not only gives us his heart and describes himself, but he gives us the work of the triune God in this redemption, peace. He appeared in Jesus. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God, our Savior, appeared, that's Jesus, showing up to do a work that you and I could not do to save us, to shower us with his mercy and his grace. Colossians 1.15, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. When we see Jesus, we see the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior. Jesus has done that work on the cross. He's done that work in his resurrection. And he's given us his spirit, the spirit that we've longed for, that, that the prophets longed for. Ezekiel 36.25-28 and 28, 25 through 28 says, I will sprinkle you with clean water and you shall be clean from all your uncleanness. And from all your idols, I will cleanse you and I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. You shall dwell in the land that I gave to your fathers and you shall be my people and I will be your God. Man, we have the spirit of God inside of you and I that cleanses us, that washes us, which is what Paul is writing to Titus, and he's reminding him, he's saying, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, he's taken our hard heart and regenerated it and given us a new heart, a heart of flesh, and then he continues to, to wash us in his blood, like we are, we are cleansed. We stand before a holy God complete in life. We were dead, and now we are alive. I love verse 27 of that passage. It says, I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes. We talk about good works. Like, what are we being saved to? We're being saved to good works. What does that look like? That looks like walking in the statutes of God. We will be careful to obey his rules. We will now submit ourselves to his lordship and we will walk in that. That's the beauty of what Christ has done and the purposes For which Christ has done it, so that you and I would be able to walk in the newness of life. Finally, verse 7 and 8 say that so that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Heirs is a key word there, it's a small word, but we are heirs with Christ. What does an heir receive? what the Father has. You and I receive today, because of the work of Jesus, what the Father has. When we think about his kindness and his love and his grace and his goodness, you and I have that today. And we get to walk in that. And we get to share that with those around us. That is what we have as heirs of Christ. Heirs with Christ. We get what the Father has. Everything that he has, you have access to because of the work of the Son today. That's good news. That's going to make us shout. That's going to make us sing really loud in a little while. So I would encourage you to that, remembering your identity as an heir, as a son or daughter of the Most High King, so that being justified by His grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. The saying is trustworthy, and I want you to insist on these things so that those who have believed in God may be careful to devote themselves to good work, These things are excellent and profitable for people. This is what it looks like to walk in the good works. It looks like Christ. You and I get to be ambassadors and image bearers of Christ today. We get to go to the broken and the hurting and we get to share with them that they too can move from death to life. And we get to be actual hands and feet to do that for them, to do that with them. And they get to do it to us too because we've still forgotten and we sometimes live in this death and we forget that we actually have eternal life. We have resurrection life today to walk in. Paul writes to Titus and he both reminds him of who he is and then he gives a command in verse eight. It says, devote themselves to good works. Like, it's not optional. If, if Christ has done this, then you're going to do this. If Christ has saved you, what has he saved you to? He's saved you to these good works that he's called you to. And so you and I get to go and do this today. Now, some of us here, we're going to hear good works, and we're going to think, man, that's what I need to be doing. But, but we can only do that if God has first taken hard hearts and given us hearts of flesh. Some of you are looking for salvation, and you're thinking that if, now, now, if that's true, then I just need to go and I need to do these good works. But if you're not saved today, if you are not in Christ, you cannot go on to those good works because that's either going to bring you a self-righteousness or it's going to give you incredible amounts of shame. So if today you're wrestling with, "I, I don't even know who Christ is. I don't know what he's done. You can't move on to good works that God has prepared for you if you haven't been changed and moved from death to life. And so I would call you today, move to life, rest, come to Jesus, run to him and say, today is the day of my salvation. I believe what you've said, that Jesus paid my debt on the cross and that not only did, did he die a death that I deserve, but he's risen and given me life, his righteousness he's put inside of me. And so before God, I stand not condemned, but righteous. If that's where you are today, we would invite you, come. Run to Jesus today. If today you would say, I know my Redeemer lives. I know he's purchased me. I know that I've been bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. And I, no sin could separate me from a holy God because Jesus has united me to himself. And so I stand before God, cleansed and whole. Why? Why today? That's the question that we forget sometimes. Like, what are, why has He done that? He's done that so that we can participate with Him. He has saved us to these good works, to go and be the church, to have an active role in what He is doing today. And so I pray that, that all of us, this morning would repent, that we would repent either of of never turning to Jesus or of turning to Jesus and trying to do it in our own strength or being complacent. Like there's so many things that that God's grace covers over and so you can repent of any of that this morning and run to Jesus. And then that we would believe. We repent and we believe. God, if this is true, man, help me to believe it because I'm going to forget tomorrow. Thank you for this church. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your spirit that's stirring these things in me that I get to go and I get to participate with you, Lord. But I'm gonna forget tomorrow. Will you remind me again of your goodness, your kindness, your mercy, your grace, that you have done everything necessary and you've invited me in to participating in your work in this world. And so we're left with the same thing we're left with every week. The opportunity to repent and to believe and then to rejoice. Like what is the good work? The good work is the worship of our God. Now that's gonna play out in so many different ways in this room. But all of it is gonna look like worship to our God. Making much of who he is, whether that's in simply paying bills, whether that's in sharing like something very succinct and explicit with our neighbor, whether it's just in simply making meals for our family. All of these things are worship our God good works that you and I have been called to today. I pray that we would do that. And I pray that we would be that people. Amen. God we thank you so much Lord for your word. We thank you for your truth. God we pray that we would not run from you today but we would run to you. God that we would both enjoy run to the good news of the gospel that says yes I I am a sinner. I still war against this flesh that I live in, but you have given me your spirit and a newness of life today to walk in. And so, Lord, I pray that we would do that. And we would do it in humility, that we would do it in joy, that we would do it in grace and kindness. Because you're so good, God. We thank you for Jesus the one who has done all the work and invites us to participate. Lord, may we never add to or feel like we're, we're adding to the work of Jesus, but we are participating in his good work. Lord, we repent and we believe today. May we worship you with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. May we love you every hour of every day. In Jesus' name, amen.